for this class and that she had been in his English class and everything. So he just seems so excited to have her. The fact that, um, unlike Will, she actually listened to the students, asked them what they wanted. Um, yeah, she somehow ended up under Will's weird spell or something. I'm just going to blame the booze that she was sharing with Sue. But um, <laughs> but to me, it's just like she also kind of reminds me uh, you know, I liked the fact that she was flighty. I liked the fact that she wasn't, you know, couldn't quite commit to anything, but got, she had those issues. And maybe that's why she was the substitute teacher and everything. And, of course, it kind of gets into the entire theme of the episode. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to me, yeah, it, Holly's one of those. She's the adult that's trying to be cool. And which is all. But for some reason, she pulls it off better than Will does. I was just going to say that she she. she pull that off in a way because Will is trying to be really cool too and he just kind of fails spectacularly all the time but you know Holly can pull it off and and I think I don't know that makes what her character interesting that probably, she probably because she has that whole not caring too much thing like if it like she she's cool but she doesn't care if if things go badly she's out of there kind of thing mm-hmm. whereas Will just like he He's too too much invested in being cool. 
mm-hmm. even though he's not at all. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, I mean, the fact that, I mean, this kind of goes against everything I have as a teacher, really. But, I mean, Holly, because she has that, you know, devil-may-care attitude, she doesn't have to kind of deal with consequences. Um, and we'll get into this as we as we talk about the other plots, like the thing with Mercedes Matats and the, mm-hmm. you know, she just wasn't sure what to do. She just froze up. Um, right. And... So, I mean, and I'm one of those people that I even did like her in later episodes when she came back because she did, you know, try at the very least. And, I mean, even in the the episodes in season five, um, I mean, she really did care for these kids and cared that, you know, they had something. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think it's an interesting thing when we're talking about guest stars because, and um, just thinking about season five made me think of this, but... You know, I, Holly Holiday is a really good character. Say what you will about Gwyneth Paltrow. I know a lot of people don't like her. She's not exactly my favorite celebrity. But I, I think Holly is a good character. And it's kind of flipped with, like, April Rhodes, where I love Chris and Chenoweth, and I can't stand April. <laughs> oh, I love April. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, like, opposite you guys. <laughs> yeah. I kind of love them both. And, it's like, and the two of them together is just like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> yeah. I I think like the what what has always like made me have reservations on Holly was just like it felt too much like a just guest star like fit fit Gwyneth Paltrow in however we can like I don't know I um I really enjoyed Kristen Chenoweth as um, April in the first season like, she, she was over the top but like it fit into the show. Mm-hmm. more I felt than Holly does. You can't get over that this is definitely Gwyneth Paltrow in the role type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And okay. oh I and I love Neil Patrick Harris so much as Brian Ryan. <laughs> that was like one of my favorite episodes in, in season one when it first aired. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um so I I don't know, like I I like things about the character, but overall, it, it always felt like just Gwyneth Paltrow being allowed to do whatever she wanted, yeah. kind of feeling. It's true. And um, I, I will admit, I think maybe I've been also a little bit influenced by some actually really good fan fictions that have had Holly as a character. Um, oh, yeah. One of the very first ones in Glass Parade has gone just like, cringe when I mentioned this one because I think it was her very first pick but I loved it it was called Miss Holiday Goes to Dalton and it was oh I think I know what this one is and it was like it was like a goodbye Mr. Chips kind of um you know to serve with love type of thing where she you know ended up teaching Dalton it there's hardly any Kurt in it at all except you know peripherally because he and Blaine are just starting to kind of know each other or you know, or maybe it was like just after they had started dating, but you know, at some point Holly goes to teach at Dalton, and so it's basically Holly and the Warblers, and it's hilarious, and it really kind of <laughs> really involves evolves that character even more, and it's amazing yeah, how I, much fan fiction kind of adds headcanon to what we're yeah, already seeing. I, oh, I, I think that that has a lot to do with it too, because um, like how how we see the the series. Because I didn't get into Glee fan fiction until um, the end of, well, end of fifth season, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
So, um, I mean, I've, I've read all of the classics going back. I'm rereading Near Misses again, and, you know. I love that we have fanfic <laughs> classics, but anyway, go on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, my, I, I wasn't in fan, fandom, and, like, I was, I was a general audience, the general audience that watched every week and loved it. But um, I wasn't a, a fandom, a Greek fandom person um, at the time. So I think the way I, I saw it was very different. I didn't get influenced by a lot of the, the dramas going on. I, I had no clue about the whole Sam um, versus Blaine thing in the beginning of season two. Oh. And I'm so glad about that. <laughs> Uh, oh, you mean the Shipper yes. Wars? I was like, what, what are you talking about? Oh, the Shipper oh, Wars. Oh, yeah. The, oh, that's, oh, right. Yeah. The, whatever there's, there, the what, what, what were they, commas? Ridiculously. Yeah, it was like only. commas. Just yeah. Like, <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, we get it. You're 12. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Versus so, the commas. Yeah, yeah, like, it's it's really cool how, like, we, we find these fan fictions. And I know that, like, my my last, uh, like, I kind of did rewatch and, and, a lot of like rewatching and rewatching um claims i um, I started to get new new thoughts on on them based on my fan fiction like the the things I had read and and the fandom yeah. iteration of sorry and to be very clear i actually because the thing is, I didn't actually get into fandom until season three. I was like a full-on Glee watcher seasons one and two, but I wasn't in like the fandom and internet fandom until um, later on. And so this is actually this is actually in retrospect. But I mean, even then, the fact that Holly even came, that Gwyneth Paltrow even came back to play Holly again, um, and actually came back like gosh, three or four times. So, you know, having kind of those recurring guest characters kind of makes you a little bit more attached to them sometimes. So. Well, yeah, and it, my um, example is always, um, I, like you, Pink, I, I didn't get into fandom until season three, and I hated Jesse St. James when it's, I just hated him. And, it, like, I got to know who Jonathan Groff was and all those stuff. Groff Shaw. I just fell in love. So I go back now, and I love Jesse St. James. No. Yes. I know. So it really, it's kind of interesting what shapes your, your you know, uh, feelings about these characters. Mm-hmm. So, are you sure it's just not Hamilton? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know before that, before Hamilton. Yeah, before the show ended, because I was really happy when um, I'm going. When I'm going to uh, University of California in Los Angeles. It's in Los Angeles. <laughs> you may have heard of it. You may. Oh have heard my it. gosh. So let's jump into to the episode a little bit. Um, we start off with um, everybody getting colds and Lauren and that disgusting sneeze of hers. Oh, God. And, um, and actually, uh, Will gets delirious, and we see all the little kids. Oh, I love um, that. Adorable. And they're so spot on as they read their lines. I actually yeah. am really mad that we barely got little baby Kurt at all. I know. I'm so glad we got a, a BTS shot with Chris and, and the little kid that played his little mini-me because uh, you can actually see the detail that they put went into making a little Kurt because it's all layers and accessories and everything. And, I love yeah. little Kurt has the, his necklace in his mouth the whole time. Like, <laughs> chewing on the chain the whole time. 
Yeah. I see her looking at a little kid like, okay, how? Some of these kids couldn't have been older than three. <laughs> I, know. I love the Mercedes. Like, she, she was the one where she's like, Mr. Shoe, you look sick, or whatever you she said. You look a little green. Yeah. Um, there's a behind the scenes video of them, and like, that little girl had so much trouble getting her line out. Aww. Apparently. <laughs> so cute. But yeah, they're they're adorable. And oh my gosh! And I love how he's like at the end. I think I need to get you guys a babysitter. I know. <laughs> okay. Um, and then for whatever reason, when I was doing this re the recap, my own recap, um, there are a lot of really gross Will Terry scenes. Oh <laughs> right God! Yes. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Like, you know, how whenever you're skipping through something and you have to watch, like, the last two seconds or whatever scenes before it, and it's always Will and Terry making out, I'm like, ah, why? <laughs> I was rewatching for for um, the podcast, and um, there was a vapor rub scene, and so I, I um, made a comment on Tumblr, like, what is with Glee and their uh, inappropriate vapor rub massages oh <laughs> well and it's so gross because terry's talking baby talk no like, it's like oh, i don't know that y'all yeah. have this weird baby fetish thing going on during your marriage and it's just, he talks oh, about taking a, a, a rectal thermometer like, oh god Anyway, moving on. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that as much as it disgusts me to know that much about apparently what was Will and Terry's sex life, it does also tell you a lot about, you know, the dynamics of that relationship in general. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a, actually a really good Terry Will um, episode because they kind of, like, got closure in their marriage. Because mm-hmm. I'm... Not going to ever, like, here's my thing about the Will and Terry stuff. Like, there was a lot of it that was well done. I'm just, my investment wasn't very much. And yeah. That's kind of where yeah, the most, line, I most guess. people, I mean, they, he, he ended up not being a very sympathetic character. Like, they tried, but, like, just, his, he was annoying. And Terry was hilarious. And I love that actress and but like I'm glad they kind of like phased her out because it was like and made this show about the kids instead because it's just here's, really not what I wanted to watch yeah exactly well here's the thing and, and this is a, just a theory that I have and I literally just came up with this now because I started thinking about it um when the show started, I think there was a belief that it was that the kids were going to be just more peripheral, that it was going to be about the adults. It was going to be about Will and Terry and Sue. And, you know, I mean, the kids were going to be there, but they were it was maybe got to be half and half. It would have been involving. Yeah it, was, cast, yeah, it was involving much more. And then, of course, you know, after the first 13 episodes, the Fox Network was just like, oh, it's really the kids that are the thing. And the problem with that is and it's not a problem i'm glad it focused on the kids it absolutely would make lee what it was but there's this kind of recurring trope that and this is goes across sitcom history that the kids are smart and therefore the adults are stupid Mm -hmm. and don't know what's really going on and so i feel like when they did that they fell back on that trope to the detriment of will's character I don't think yeah. Will was as terrible 
in season one, I think I almost think that either purposefully or neglectfully they made Will terrible because that's the trope. I think it was neglectfully. I think it was um, a combination of, you know, at first, um, I think when they got into season two, I don't know if they were really sure what they wanted to do with Will's character because the whole flip-flopping with Emma and her relationship with Emma just kind of goes the whole season. Yeah. And then when you get into season three they and four, they kind of neglect him. So when he comes back, it's kind of all bad teacher Will jokes. Yeah. I, I think Glee has a tendency to take, like, little funny, like, side, not side characters, but, like, the the funny thing about one character that everybody seems to like and be, like, resi- like, like, Brittany's um, duvet and um, Figgins having, like, his, his lines of my hands are tied and, and being kind of, uh, a um, stock character and mm-hmm. like they they just take it and they run it too far that mm-hmm. like I I love Figgins yeah and he was too. hilarious but like by the end of the series I hated him is like uh and well and I also think uh, a pitfall even though I really love the later seasons a pitfall of it is sometimes they would take uh, fandom reaction and they'd stick it in the you know, but like in a fourth wall break, saying we we know what you guys are saying about us. Type yeah, thing. yeah. And sometimes I mean, it was that terrible. was that was funny and and like enjoyable at times, but like Glee in general just takes things too far a yeah. lot. And, then, and and by by season six, it was like fourth wall. What fourth wall? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. When, they they made it so the fandom was like you know okay. We're glad it's over, but we enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so moving on in this scene, um, we have uh, BFFs, not for much longer, uh, Kurt and Mercedes. And, um, she was yeah, so, with him in this. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing is that I want to say, first let's talk about uh, the moment where Rachel takes over the Glee Club. Oh, God. They throw back to that. And Santana's <laughs> about to kill her. And actually, have you ever noticed this? I, just because I am so super crazy about this now that I'm doing this meta stuff, um, Kurt is, is holding up his fingers in a crucifix against Santana <laughs> in the background. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, he's always selfish with Satan. So. Oh, my God. But also, I love when, when she's like, she writes me on the board and puts a period after it. And yeah. It's, it's just a really funny moment. I just can't help but think that that's actually maybe, okay, it wouldn't put it past Rachel if that was, in fact, what she did. But considering this is Kurt, tell, I think it was Kurt telling Holly this is what was happening or telling Will. I can't remember. But it's well, not just telling. a flashback because they were yeah. talking about it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I feel like it's maybe like this is how I pictured it in my head. Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but we get in there. They're kind of talking about that because they have a Glee Club problem. But then Mercedes is like, "Let's talk about it at bowling on Friday." And Kurt's like, "Oh yeah, no, sorry. Or maybe it was tonight." Because bullying is later, sorry. She's like, yeah, we'll talk about it tonight. And Kurt's like, nope, I'm sorry, I got plans. Yeah. And, um, you know, Blaine, though. And and like, yeah. yeah, she sees right through the we're just friends um, thing that, that Kurt tries at the beginning. Like, yeah. you can tell me what something's going on. You can tell me. Come on. <laughs> with, with Kurt, 
I think in the very beginning, I think, you know, Kurt absolutely is bonkers over Blaine, but oh, yeah. he's also like, you know, this is so far, this is like the only other gay person that Kurt has ever met other than Karofsky. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just like, I finally have somebody that I can talk to. And, you know, it's, you know, fast forward to silly love songs. It was kind of his version of Blaine's, you know, I don't want to screw this up. Right. You know, and the fact that he mentioned he'd never been kissed and Blaine's like, Oh, I'll buy you lunch. And he's thinking he may have been okay. He may have been traumatized at the time. Didn't want to kiss from a cute boy, but at the same time, he had gone like, "Okay, friends, I can do that." Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, can do. Even you know, um, he brings up that Glee Club doesn't even come up in their conversations, which I'm assuming are like every day. I mean, I can't see the two of them not going kind of they are both telling themselves that this is their friendship, but they are kind of acting as if it's a new relationship. They're in this kind of honeymoonish, want to like talk to you all the time type thing. And it is, it is new for them. And it's, and I don't know how new it is for Blaine. It's like you said, you know, he says, I think we can, ex- I don't know if he's even met Jeremiah or had coffee with that guy by now. <laughs> uh, and then there was the one friend that was like the only other gay kid at school that we find out about when we find out about Sadie Hawkins later. Uh, but other than that, you know, we don't know if Blaine really knows any more gay kids than Kurt does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing about this scene, okay, this is what's always gotten me about this episode and, and we can comment more about it as it goes on, but it starts the tater tot stuff. And I've always like in the scene where Sadie says, you know, I'll be happy for you, even though she's a little miffed about the canceled plans, mm-hmm. which Kurt had just told her, I'm sure she would have been fine. And, like, she says she knows that she's been, he's been lonely, but she's happy for him. And then they start the tater tot stuff where she gets all excited about tater tots. And throughout the episode, it, it's supposed to correlate with all the Kurt scenes because every time the tater tots come up, it is in a scene with Kurt. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it goes, and we'll talk about the ending when we get there, but, uh, like, where she's supposed to be substituting tater tots for her mm-hmm. friendship or whatever, but I just don't buy it, and I feel bad. I just she just seems way into tater tots. To be fair, tots are delicious. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're right under. If I get from, you know, they're out oh. there. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're, that's it. yeah, you're breaking up yeah. just a little bit. Oh, um, I said I have a higher potatoes and tater tots are. Oh, you're still breaking up. Yeah, she said something oh, about a hierarchy and tater tots are where on that hierarchy. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was <laughs> Carly, did you me? want to test your your mic a little bit? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, I said I have a hierarchy of uh, fried potatoes. Ah, and okay. tater tots are up there under uh, ash browns. <laughs> it's important. They're, they're kind of like, but like they're they're hash browns in a little cylindrical shape. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. They're, yeah. They're cute little. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so lots of kids are at the top, but that's a different story. Damn it! Now I want tots. Mm. <laughs> but tater tot people. Yeah, the one with the tater tots. Okay, so um, yeah, then Kurt has the idea of you know he of um having Holly come and be the substitute because 
she was in his English class doing music, and of course that's going to grab Kurt's attention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we have to take a moment and talk about Stoner Brett. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> is this his first I appearance? It, I, think I think it so. is. I think it is the first time we saw him. He, I, he uh, might have been in crowd scenes for Brittany, but, like... Mm -hmm. But They're just probably like, who is this kid? We need to bring him back. <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh. Oh, and the fact that they're singing Conjunction Junction, which should be actually done as a full... This was one of those, and never mind the, the other song choices, but this was one of those, and um, Rachel Maltese, who uh, is Letters for Titan, um, mm -hmm. has done podcasts before and has done a lot of Glee commentary, has always said Glee is for... It's for us. It's for us oh, yeah. 30s and 40s Gen Xers. <laughs> That's yep. what the show was for. We grew up on Schoolhouse Rock. So the fact that she was singing Conjunction Junction with, like, the backing singers, I was just like, I want the whole thing! <laughs> I know, and I'm surprised they never did a full version of one of those. Oh, but, I, you know, and it makes me wonder, do kids today, do they know Schoolhouse Rock? Is that still a thing that's done or not, or... I remember um, they brought it back, like, in the 90s, like, on Saturday morning. Hmm. Yeah. It's like, it seems like most of what I see are, like, Saturday Night Live parodies. Like, they did, like, they did, SNL did, like, a parody, but it wasn't Bill's. It was executive orders or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah, growing up on that, it gives you a lot of nostalgia. And maybe, like, maybe, maybe the kids these days know them because... Like people who grew up with it when they were kids are teachers now and have it mm -hmm. in classes. I hope so. Those yeah. Really, yeah. You gotta hope. Really <laughs> hold on, hope. Yeah. Um, and we don't even have Saturday morning cartoons anymore, so I don't even know where you would air Schoolhouse Rock. So. I know. In your classroom, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a couple of them in classrooms. Okay, good. Oh, cool. But I'm I'm not that young either, so <laughs> I don't oh, know okay. what kids do these days. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> what um, does the yeah. whippersnappers do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So then after that, and um, we can go ahead and go into the, oh, we're getting a substitute, so. I know. I love this bit where, okay, the whole thing with Puck buttering the floor and Rachel takes a drop and she's like nothing will break my talent no, and then, I'm sorry I love Kurt but the fact he just went like literally no. head over heels just... <laughs> and I love even though this isn't about Kurt but I love with the name switch and Brittany's like I'm Mike Chang and Mike's like yeah sure okay <laughs> I'm theory about that because I mean okay so Brittany and Mike both dance and then later on, we see that Brittany's dad, or who we think is her dad, but it turns out it was Stephen Hawking, is played by Ken, by Ken Jeong. So. Fascinating. So, yeah. Brittany's she, probably always I think she made a it. comment somewhere, like, um, whether, whether Mike and Tina's babies would turn out Asian or not. Mm -hmm. She was curious. So like yeah. yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interest about that. <laughs> Something interesting about that. I don't know what exactly. But. 
Well, and then, yep, uh, Holly comes in, and like you said before, um, she lets the kids have a say in it. And, I mean, you can fault her for, like, the drug references. Maybe that wasn't the greatest yeah, idea. Yeah, but, maybe not. Um, but, you know, I like how she's like, hey, what do you guys want to sing? That those Journey songs were great songs, but they sound like somebody else's favorite song. I, I, I love that that um, little riff they did on Journey. Like, they had... Um, will yeah. like in two different spots. Like, yeah, come on, come on there's got to be a song. song by Journey. Yeah, <laughs> you know they never did do lights. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. The lights go down the city. Anyway, I'm not as familiar with Journey yeah. as I am. <laughs> go down in the city. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm so sorry. laughs> Okay. Yeah, and then uh, they sing Forget You. Oh, my God. Her is so happy singing that song. Yes, and that's one of the big things I wanted to point out because up until last episode, Kurt is so lonely and depressed and, and just isn't getting into any of the stuff that they're doing. And this is yeah. the first group number that he's just having fun and he he's is. so happy. And, and it's, you know, I just like to think that it's not just Holly being a cool substitute, but his life is turning around, and then he's starting to feel better about things. Well, also yeah. that... You don't know why. Oops, sorry. Sorry. And and also, in a way, he had a say, because remember, it's like Puck saying, Kurt got us a substitute. Oh, so right. Kurt's kind of like, yeah, I did this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So it gives him a little well, bit of power. Bit. That and also in the in the previous episode when he you know he's talking to Will mm-hmm. and he says to Will that you don't challenge us at all and and, and basically Will's like well it's because you're not getting what you want but you know not that Holly is giving Kurt what he wants but it's still something more interesting and in, who knows if it's a challenge or not but more to his interests and that's gonna make him happy too yeah. maybe it's him like taking what he wants like more you know. Not being like sitting and rolling his eyes at people, and like he's he's starting to like take what he wants and actually stand up for himself and stand up for the group. And yeah, but you're not gonna. I'm loving this picture though. Just when he's like so happy, he's like leaning over a chair at Rachel, and Rachel's just like. (laughs) Because Rachel's so pissed off in this whole song, yep. And he's just, he's doing, oh, you know what? You know what they missed in that little Santana rant when she's going through his dance moves? Mm-hmm. The kicky feet. Oh, <laughs> yeah, kicky feet. The the winding down and kicky feet. <laughs> yep. Well, kicky feet usually kind of accompanies piano draping, so. That's it's true. true. <laughs> but, well, yeah, you can't convince me that Blaine doesn't have something to do with his happiness here, too. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but that but that happiness is somewhat short lived because there's still the looming threat of Korowski. Right, right. But um, yeah, this song too is just very energetic. I mean, I know it's a censored version of the original, but um, it's fun and it's and I don't know. I don't mind Gwyneth Paltrow as a vocalist. So yeah, and she's I I think she's a good vocalist. Unpopular opinion, but I've liked her songs. I even most like Turning them, Tables. I mean, she's not a oh, jazz. I was going to say, I wasn't a fan of Turning Tables myself, but most of them I think she does a fine job with. So. I still can't yeah. Eddie Murphy's song. <laughs> Damn. 
All right, so we get our next Mercedes and Kurt scene, and he's off in La La Land at the beginning of this because uh, I'm guessing he got texted about uh, Rent playing and getting tickets, and I, I can just see it that he's, like, already in planning mode, like what he's going to wear and where they're going to go to eat and all of this stuff. And how and is this not a date? I mean, like, I mean, Blaine's oblivious, but Kurt is like, yeah, it's, it's kind of a date, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I mean, um, Blaine. He he says Jeremiah must love him because they they met for coffee like three times, mm-hmm. and yet here he is taking Kurt like to the theater and taking him like here and there and meeting his friends and oh god Blaine so I love you just thrown us but you're so freaking clueless <laughs> oh love Blaine this is this is how I am with all of my friends so you know. Yeah. Um, and you know the thing with Mercedes again if he would have just said hey by the way I'm going to go hang out with Blaine I'm sorry for you know I mean I get it he's a teenager who's got this new crush going and you know he's not always the most unselfish of people but Mercedes was really looking forward to bowling come on yeah yeah. and at this rate also I think in part I think this is also okay this is weird because you saw Mercedes and Santana starting to get kind of closer you know, teaming up on the duet thing, but then they kind of aren't. And I wonder if this is where we started seeing more of a push. Well, not so much of a Mercedes and Santana French. I mean, Mercedes is just alone at this point. I know, which always makes me so sad. Like, yeah. That they kind of isolate her in a certain way. Cause, and I think that Kurt, sometimes he can be myopic and just forget that, Kurt, this is how you felt just a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, yep, then the this is where the cheerleaders then get rid of all of the tater tots. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I love that at the very end of the scene, Kurt goes to, like, comfort her a little bit, like, oh, it's not so bad. And she's just like, shh. No. 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 Which, he had just okay. done, which he had just done a few episodes to Finn, because during Grilled Cheeses, you know, he's, you know, mm-hmm. Finn goes to touch Kurt, and Kurt's like, uh-uh. Yep. <laughs> Yep, and then there's, um, um, oh, okay, so then we go to the next Mercedes and Kurt, and I'm skipping over. Mercedes and Kurt is like, we finally found another Journey song we haven't done yet. (laughs) (laughs) And, aw, Will was so excited. (laughs) I was also, um, before this next scene of Kurt and Mercedes is the one where, um, Will and and Terry have sex. Oh, yeah. It's just gross, because he's sick. Yeah. And okay, she mm, did. I don't know. Maybe she did. We don't know. Because she's a demon. I don't know. <laughs> where the, the vapor up came in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to give everybody that image because that's what I had to, you know, watch for this. Any so. young fan fiction writers out there, by the way, don't even think about using vapor rub as a lube and effect because. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Ew. Oh, ow. <laughs> <I> read that? <laughs> Anybody that doesn't know what vapor rub figures is like, oh, this might be like, no. Just don't. <laughs> no. There has, I mean, I really shouldn't go on this tangent, but yeah, every once in a while when you're reading something and you're like, oh, please don't use that, please don't. Okay. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> it's the great taught revolution of 2010. Oh, yeah. We're seeing um, Norma Ray moment. <laughs> And but, but, Kurt's little oh my god when he she stands up. Oh my god. 
And everybody starts cheering. He's like, oh, my God, how am I in the middle of this? Get me out. Yeah. And also, though, before the Great Top Revolution started, you do have Kurt. Oh, no, you aren't. No, you and Blaine aren't dating. You're just friends in spite of the fact that you're trying to fix Mercedes up with a guy instead of just trying to find her another friend. And his terminology, I mean, my new budding friendship with Blaine. Who said that? Yeah. Yeah, Is there a friendship or not, honey? What are you doing? So it kind of does the same thing that Rachel does the same thing to him in season four when Rachel's like, oh, me and Brody are dating now and you need to find somebody. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like when people couple off, they're like, you need to be happy too. Yeah. And it's just like we have to go on double dates because I'm sorry, but being a third wheel is just yeah. <laughs> And I mean, he's not trying to be condescending, but just that he's like, he just picks a, a, a black guy that he thinks is cute and is on the football team and is like, here, date this guy. And the fact that he's obviously already gone and talked to this guy mm-hmm. and set it up and it just. He oh, really was cute. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but not the point. Oh, here, guys. I tap out, so that was like thirty years younger. <laughs> and and this scene has one of like to bring in the craftsy like just uh, yeah. Kurt mm-hmm. is having having a nice time. He's thinking about Blaine. He's like having fun with his his girlfriend here, and he's smiling. And then all of a sudden, Krofsky walks mm-hmm. by and glares at him, and like just the whole, like, his face changes. That's his the face, thing, though. Like, it wasn't rock. a glare. It was almost like a flirt, but it was like, it, it was like a, it was a wink. I think maybe there was, like, an air kiss, but it was, like, a creepy right. yeah. stalkery. And it was and like... Thing, it's interesting how it was filmed because, because, um, Mercedes is busy writing when this happens, so she doesn't see it. Yeah. And, and so this is his Secret. This is the thing that's still weighing him down, yeah. and the fact that it's the does yeah. too. It's the middle of everybody, yeah. and it's just like I, I've got my eye on you at all times. Yeah, type thing. and yeah. it's the camera angle, so where it's like it's from Kurt's point of view, sitting looking up, which makes him look even more menacing. I got to tell you, this and the last few episodes made me kind of go back and go, okay, the whole Blainowski thing that happened in season six really made me third guess that yeah it uh, Krasky is just that oh man it's it really is it does feel like they're two different characters by the time you reach season six yeah I can't necessarily reconcile even in see the end of season two Krasky is you know in prom queen he's really remorseful he you know whatever more docile and and it's just that max adler played this bully this very scary bully so well that the other characterizations of him in the future make it very hard it to kind of get on board with that or that's the, my interpretation like yeah. he did really well in 2009 the episode of bringing that back yeah oh but, yeah because it's like they hadn't even planned on him being closeted and then they brought brought that back in with that 2009 episode i tell you i do one of my favorite headcanons though one of my favorite headcanons of the whole blainowski thing was after the bear episode and it's just like you know (laughs) that he's the kind of guy that's just like it's gonna kill you blaine it's just a moth karofsky (laughs) 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 (laughs)
And in real life, Dave is just a huge drama queen over any bug or rat or whatever. Oh, he is, yes. Blaine is, like, rolling his eyes, like, oh, for fuck's sakes. Yeah, if anybody can make Blaine seem like the calm, rational one. (laughs) Yeah, Dave is the one that, if he's the spider, it's like we're burning the house down. Yeah. Yeah. The spider got to go. <laughs> it's just such an interesting thing to go from this dynamic where he's terrifying to Kurt to, like, that imagery of him just being a big baby. It's just, I don't know. I, I, it'll be interesting to watch as we go through the series because it just still seems jarring. Well, he's a background character, and a lot of background characters don't get the chance to be more than, I mean, not just in Glee, but, like, in in media in general background characters don't get a chance to be three-dimensional and like have a growth arc in in such a way like um so it seems that you're um unrealistic because we don't expect like background characters to change we expect them to be background they're they're the trees that stay trees until the end of the thing you know Mm-hmm. Always expect the bully to be the bully. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, so I mean, they gave him the redemption arc, which mm-hmm. I I sometimes have trouble with redemption arcs because like, just sometimes they seem too like too too shallow. Mm-hmm. But his was really like well played well played yeah. by Glee. so um so i can i can see that happening cuz I, I think he was probably this like scared of moths kind of guy at home too and he you know was playing a part and like acting up the way he he thought he had to in yeah. um, high school so i know yeah, that probably. I, I mean, mean he's probably he's, like freaked out over a bee or something at football practice, and Zimio has just totally chirped him for it. Right. Well, and my thing has always been is Zimio has actually always come off to as the scarier one to me. I think he was always yeah. a bit harsher, and he never. I mean, I guess they didn't. See, he didn't to me. I mean, yeah, he was a bully, and yeah, he was like just as bad Karofsky, but he didn't seem as menacing, and he always they always kind of played that with more humor. Well, he he seemed more serious than Krofsky. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like, just that he he wasn't willing to, like, I mean, you think of um, the the night, the um, the charity benefit thing, the mm-hmm. A Night to Remember, or I forgot what that episode, where he's one of the hecklers. Yeah. He, like... He sat down, again, Holly Holiday comes in and and sits them down and talks, and he's like, you know what, I don't want to listen to you, and he just walks off, kind of, like. Well, and I think also, to me, anyway, Azimio, just in general, seems more awful, whereas Karofsky was always pointed at Kurt. I don't know if Karofsky's bullying really extended that harshly to everybody else. I think he had a target Mm -hmm. um, because of his... Um, because of his own closetedness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in the end, though, with... Oh, gosh, I'm just kind of lost my place because I had a particular scene I was thinking of. Um, I was thinking about stuff like the Sue Sylvester shuffle where, like, in the end, even Azimio's like, look, I want us to win this ball game, and I will go out there and dress like a zombie and dance if I have to. So, Mm. 
So he was to even if it took watching, Karofsky didn't even join into that performance her, until the as, end. I, I think with that, I feel like Karofsky saw the the underlying message of it, and he didn't want to like. It felt more serious to him, whereas Azimio is like, yeah, I'll dance with you freaks, but you're still freaks, and I'll hate you and beat you up tomorrow. Like, it won't change me kind of thing. Okay. So, that's, I that's think he got the whole brain thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a whole other episode. That's, that's <laughs> ahead. So... Um, really quick before we leave the scene, um, at the very beginning of it, I just like the phrasing when, when Kurt says, um, don't sweat your culinary, uh, disappointments. I, I don't know. I just like when it, you know, he doesn't go for the most normal thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has to, you know, you know, why, what, why say in five seconds what could take five minutes? <laughs> yep. You know, bring out those big old, hey, it's like you didn't study for the SAT for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> bring out those big old SAT yeah. words. Now that I think of it, they never did an SAT episode. I'm kind of, I mean, not that they needed to. <laughs> There's already enough anxiety and drama on that show. You don't need to throw the SATs into it. Well, they, uh, they had uh, Sam and Brittany's. They, they did oh, acknowledge that the SATs existed. Right. Yeah, <laughs> nobody wants to watch students sit in a quiet room and take a Scantron exam for four hours. That just does they not had, make like, a, mu- a musical um, fantasy in the middle of it. <laughs> oh man! And then yeah, can't even the person who has the musical fantasy wakes up and realizes they didn't actually like bubble anything in. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. The played-out trope. <laughs> okay. Oh, something I want to mention before we get to the Blaine scene because I'm looking at the still of um, Kurt Please. watching um, uh, uh, Holly and, and Rachel oh, sing, gosh. and why do a lot of sides of knees more? Yeah. <laughs> what is up with all the shirts? Oh, shirts. All the um, shorts and and knee high length boots and socks and every. I mean, it, it's really mostly in season two, but I always wondered that. I think a lot of it. I think maybe some of it goes back to Kurt's origins from his Chris Colfer's audition of Sly. You look like you were in The Sound of Music. Yeah. <laughs> a little Von Trapp boy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they're, I don't know. they're always kind of a militarized too. Mm-hmm. Kind of feel kind of a military bondage kind of. Yeah, yeah. Kind of freak. So. I I love uh, the Chicago song because like Kurt and and Quinn are like hugging half like through like half of it. I know. Yeah, I really wish that there had been, and I. I'm just so sad that there was only ever really one real Kurt Quinn scene. It was when early in season one with the makeover. Because Chris and Diana really had a tight friendship, especially those first couple of seasons. I really wish we had seen that carry over into the show with Kurt and Quinn. And you see it in a background moment a lot, especially in Mm -hmm. season one. They're dancing a lot together. Yeah. But yeah, the the other Quinn Kurt, it, the scene in On My Way when he's um, telling her that her life isn't as bad as yeah, Croft, whatever that. Yeah. I'm not um, but yeah, I'm just kind of yeah. We'll 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 talk about that. Like, we'll season three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, but yeah, I, they were very sweet together, and and it's a shame that they didn't. I, I mean, here you've got the two questionably most manipulative characters on the show, and yeah. <laughs> 
much together. So I mean, those are the two that usually in any and every fan fiction, Quinn and Kurt are usually both put into Slytherin. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So. All right, so now we can go on to the... Clang, the... clang, 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 clang. <laughs> I want to point out the first topic of discussion is gay marriage. And this has always been a conversation in their storyline. Well, to be fair, yeah. it's always been a conversation since Glee started. True. It's been a That's conversation true. since 2004, but really picked up in 2009. Yeah. But, I, yeah. So, but here's, you know, they're talking about marriage and, and equality and all of that political stuff. Yeah, because, like, Prop 8, like, they mentioned Prop 8. Prop 8 was a huge thing at that time. Mm-hmm. So, and, yes, um, so. I can't remember if that's when the case was. I'm trying to remember. Was it 2011? No, 2011 is when New York had gay marriage. And then last year... Supreme Court ruled gay marriage nationwide. Yep. And was it 2013 or 2014 that DOMA got repealed? It was 2014. Oh, I was going to say, I think it was, yeah, 2014. Okay, it was the year before. All right. Yeah. Okay. So they were still <laughs> far away from that. It's it's so weird yeah. to think now. Like, no. Yep. Like, kids in the future, they're not going to understand that. Like, <laughs> Well, no, they will. I mean, it's like there are certain things, certain shows that I watch that, like, you can tell that this was a big topic at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm blanking on examples, to be honest with you. But, um, uh, you know, there are, I think that's the one interesting thing about watching old shows is that you can see where it was politically mm-hmm. um, because that what are the stuff that was going on at the time. Yeah, yeah to, uh, well... I was watching some old episodes of All in the Family, and they were talking about Roosevelt and mm-hmm. being a Roosevelt Democrat or Republican, whatever party he was. It would be a Roosevelt Democrat. No, I think it was Republican back then, because I think the mm-hmm. party switched. Unless you're, no. like, going way back to Teddy. Yeah, uh, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt was a Republican. Franklin Donald yeah. Roosevelt was a Democrat. Okay. Yep. Well... Anyways, like, Maude was all for Roosevelt, and what's that guy? Um, Archie was like, don't you mention his name in my house kind of thing. And, like, I, like it's it's weird to see, like, how, how politics and, and the news infiltrates, like, um, kind of the the media of the time, the, yeah. the entertainment of the time. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a reflection of the times and, you know, and sometimes the media, you know, relays the message and sometimes the media creates it. Right. And Glee was one of those shows that was trying to create it. I mean, it did very well in um, to bringing up conversations uh, in the first couple of seasons. I think they tried to force some things in the later seasons. But, um, yeah, I think that Glee was always aware of its place in history and trying to new new things and bring up these conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel, I, I love the scene, of course, when they're talking about this, but then, you know, Mercedes starts kind of zoning out, and I don't know, it's like, I don't really like the fact that when she starts zoning out, it's all gay, 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 and a little yeah. pink purse falls out of Kurt's mouth, and I'm just like, yeah, and it's like telling me that Mercedes' inner dialogue 
still maybe falls back on stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Where well, Wayne has to be we, like, I like football. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I, I guess there's a couple points there. One is that they're having, I mean, I know that in my own um, personal relationships with people that have had both straight and gay and LGBT community members in it, um, we've talked about this kind of stuff because political topics, it's not like they're, I mean, I can understand her zoning when they start talking about the Vogue covers. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when they're talking about I political zone. stuff, <laughs> I, I think it's, I, you know, and, and it, yeah. And then I think, I don't know, I've never, never been a fan of the pink purse thing myself, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Just remember, yeah. someone now owns Chris Colfer's DNA. Oh, that's gross. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first thing, thing that is... This, um, this is the first time Mercedes meets Lane, right? And she's yeah. kind of really rude to him. Like, not friendly to him. Not, maybe like, not you rude. stole my man. <laughs> well, yeah. that was the she's, other, the other point. Going out, she's like... Eh, and, yeah, and I think, like... Thinking on the whole series, the series as a whole, like, did, do you think Mercedes even liked Blaine at all? I Well, for this scene, I was going to say, I think that the other point I wanted to make was that he is trying to make an effort uh-huh. to include her in, like, talking about football, talking about things, saying, I mean, he, he realizes Kurt's just kind of going a little crazy with the stuff he wants to talk about. Um you know, that's another thing. I had the question once where, you know, did Finn, not Finn, wow, I don't know what the heck that was about. Um, did Quinn and Blaine have any dialogue? And there really isn't any. But did Mercedes and Blaine really have any dialogue either? I mean, they I, lived I together for, like, months. but like I, I don't think she hated him at all. No, I just no, think I don't think she but I don't, I think, like, I think she liked him because he was Sam's friend and he was Kurt's boyfriend. Well, first of all, let's kind of go back to season three because, I mean, she appreciated Blaine being there during season two, like when they did The Night of Neglect, but it really wasn't until season three when she joined, um, when when he transferred and joined New Directions, um, that Mercedes... She saw him as a threat. Yeah, yeah, because she she quits because she realizes, because Santana points out this is going to be now be the Blaine and Rachel show, and... um, so they, and, oh, that's actually, she says that after Mercedes has left New Direction. I was going to say, Mercedes yeah, Mer- more about Mer- that. Yeah. On her own. Like, it wasn't like she was copying what Santana was saying, but she she said it on her own that, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to. But by the Michael episode, by then, she, and, you know, she's hanging out, it's like her. It's like her and Blaine and Kurt, and she's saying, you know, it's just like, I wanted to get to do Michael Jackson, and Blaine's like, well, I mean, we could still do it. And so you see a little bit of, you don't really see any one-on-one between Blaine and Mercedes, no. But, I mean, eventually, they have duets, and they have performances together. Um, I consider, hey, I consider their little part in my favorite things duets, even though it's a part. That and Superstition, even though they weren't (laughs) together. Yeah. Even though it's like Blaine was singing, he was singing all the Kurt. <laughs> but yeah, no, and it's unfortunate that because Mercedes gets phased out a little bit, um, season four, and doesn't really come back till the end of season five. That there's just never any time to develop, um, right. and it's kind of yeah. surprising yeah, they, they were so made the show about Kurt Blaine and Mercedes. Like, 
and throw Sam and, and I'll even take Rachel. All the New York crew can stay. Tina. You gotta have Tina. Tina. Yeah, New York. Santana and Brittany can stay. Okay. Tina. And Kitty. And Kitty. Kitty. Kitty, yeah. We can we can switch Kitty for Artie. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I still say there was a Kitty Rogers thing at some point. Oh, yeah, me too. We'll talk about that, like, when we start doing season six. <laughs> yes, what does this have to do with this third date, or this third real date? Nothing. Yeah. That's okay. okay. That's what we're doing these for. Okay. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Um, but, yeah, I the other thing about this scene that always kind of sticks out to me is just not only how happy and giddy Kurt is, but how touchy-feely he is, too. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not a touchy-feely person. And yeah very shielded and he's the one touching Blaine all up in here so oh yeah and then I'm sitting here going I'm sorry I'm just staring at this very very beautiful picture of Kurt <laughs> under substitutes when you get to the one where she snuck tots into the oh wall. yeah one in the next scene oh, sorry. I'm, I'm still looking at the picture of, of Blaine and Kurt and they look tiny under the table like, I know oh, they so high. <laughs> they're like so <laughs> you know, for all of you know, maybe that's why I hesitate to say Kurt. I want to say Chris is leaning in this scene mm-hmm. <laughs> to make Darren look bigger. Uh, yeah, I think he kind of so tiny. Uh-huh. That table is so high. <laughs> it, you know what? Most tables are usually high in those like this yeah. situation. Yeah. Um. So yeah, what do they talk about? They talk about the. Marriage stuff, they talk about football for a half second, they which is about, oh, another thing I want to say, which I think is re- probably ridiculous of me to even bring up, but the fact that he's like, I'm an OSU fan, and I'm like, but Darren went to U of M, and that's just not right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. How, how much that must I don't have think he ever really cared about that. I think, I, I think somebody no, asked I about that, and he was like, whatever. Yeah, I know. I'm sure he didn't. But it, as somebody who is a Midwesterner <laughs> and from the area, it just makes me laugh. Um but then, and then the Vogue covers, and gosh, I guess there's not much in this. Uh, the Patty LuPone biography. Patty yeah. LuPone bio. Yeah. You and, uh, the funniest thing, though, I don't know why, this cracks me up. They're in, in an Italian restaurant, and she asks for tater tots. Yeah, and she's like, you must go to McKinley. <laughs> yes, but they're in, a, in an Italian restaurant. It's established fine. that. It's the only restaurant in town. Yeah, yeah I'm assuming so. <laughs> it's like this. I'm pretty sure they've made Lima a lot smaller than the actual Lima, Ohio. Yeah. yeah and a lot sure. closer to to Westerville. Like, <laughs> oh, they don't. They never cared about um, no. They probably don't think it's funny when people get weird about that in figs because I'm like, eh, they didn't, they didn't care on the show. I'm sitting here thinking, I don't think they realize that Ohio is a much, it's a very big state. I think they look at Ohio, maybe think it's like the size of Rhode Island, and we just figure, you know, Dayton, Cincinnati, uh, they're all right next to each other. <laughs> you can get to Columbus and Toledo in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> no, I, I, I get think they really, place. like, just chose Lima, like, I mean, just random uh, Midwestern town. Like, mm-hmm. isn't Ryan Murphy from, like, Indiana? Yeah, he's from mm-hmm. Indiana. So he, yeah. he knows. He knows the geography. I, I just think it's just, like, random. Geography mm-hmm. works how the show wants it to work. 
yeah. and not the other way around. <laughs> right. Geography right. didn't bother me so much as how did the kids have all this money to go from New York to Ohio all the time? I'm like, geez, yeah. if I had that easy access to that much money, I'd be in New York all the time. I know. I, well, I, I mean, to be fair, Ohio and New York aren't that far away from each other. No, but I mean, as someone, I mean, I just live north of there a little bit. It's still a ways. I mean, I'd still take a. It takes about. I've driven it. Um, I live and it in takes Boston, and it's hard to get to New York. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's well, a I mean, journey. To well, go. I live in Mississippi, so I'm I'm one to talk. So <laughs> yeah, I've driven it, but the thing that I found out was that. Because my friend lives in um, Washington Heights, and I, like, parking on Manhattan, it, it just, no, don't do it. It's way too much money. <laughs> Ridiculously high amount of money. So. I'd, I'd rather just fly in and then take the train. Yep. No. Talking about right. geography of, of Glee, one thing that gets me is that, like, all of their parents are, like, doctors, dentists, like, Mercedes is the dentist, uh, Santana's is a doctor, like, Kurtz is the only yes. one who has, like, a, like, a, a blue-collar job, his, his father. I can't imagine Ooh. Carol being, though, I mean, is it well, Fanon yeah, or Fanon? It's Fanon that she's a nurse. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. Fanon, yeah. She, I think they mentioned something about night shift once, and so people are like, oh, it must be a nurse. Could it? possibly be like a factory worker or anything that else has a nice Meyer, I don't know. <laughs> oh Meyer oh, I should explain that. Meyer is um a Midwestern grocery store. Mm-hmm. So and they're open twenty four seven. Yeah. You know some places Walmart's open twenty four seven. So Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. She, I mean and I mean to be fair a... um Bert actually owns the the, yeah. the tire lube place. So so I mean being the owner of it uh, he's probably making quite a bit more money than um, if he was just working there. Right. And, and in fandom, Blaine is super rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I mean, I'm guessing he has considerable more money than most yeah. of them. But. Yeah. I mean, that he can go, like, give Sam $50 and not care. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or buy a piano know. for the loft. That's true. You know, though, I think <laughs> I mean, he was just like, well, I'm going to be moving up here eventually. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. I'm sure it's his. Who knows? We never find out what happens to the piano. Somebody needs to write the fanfic about the piano. There we go. Yeah, it ran off with the keyboard, but interrupted the kiss. <laughs> that orange one. <laughs> um, yeah, so. All right, so I guess this brings us down to the conversation that Kurt and Mercedes have. Okay, as he's saying this stuff to her. Look at his locker mm-hmm. and this little picture I have pulled up and he's got this shrine to Blaine. Oh my god. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just realized he's got the little Dalton Warblers. You can see the N and the E-R. Mm-hmm. There's a little Dalton Warblers to me he has inside the locker too. Yep. Yeah. And then there's the, um, the he, you can't see it in this picture that I'm looking at but there's, he also has the little uh, Warbler emblem thing in his locker. Okay. Yeah, that's so. what I think that's from. So. So, but yeah, here he says um, to her, you're treating me like a boyfriend, which mm-hmm. I, I have just never seen that. And I don't, it's 
unfortunate that they did that. I mean, I understand that part of it was because he was becoming a main character, and they really kind of wanted him to be best friends with Rachel and and a lot of things. But I just don't see – I mean, they were, you know, both in you – know, yeah. they're, they're growing apart. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. I mean, young kids do that, but – I don't see the you were treating me like a boyfriend thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. I'm I'm just basically agreeing with you because, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think she was. And I think, honestly, I think what happened was I think Kurt may have wanted to end the friendship, but he didn't really know how to do it without hurting her feelings. Yeah. Uh, Well, not end the friendship. Yeah. But, I mean, just establish that. He was was finding, he was finding Blaine and realizing like finding people people i mean blaine (laughs) that have more in common with him that like he was so excited during that last during the talk at um the um at breadsticks because he he could talk about all those things and have somebody who would geek out about vogue with him and about broadway with him and like and and um, Mercedes, like they have things in common, uh, but like she, she even in season one, she mocked his like outfit sometimes, mm-hmm. as he did too to her. <laughs> but um, maybe he's just realizing he like has more in common with Blaine, and then there's also the the being gay and he's really really cute thing that he is. For Blaine, too, so. I think it's just a natural, you know, as you get older and you meet new people and you have new experiences, you you just start drifting away from some people, you know. And there are, you know, and sometimes it's more subtle, sometimes it's more abrupt. Um, Sometimes Mm -hmm. it kind of takes distance for it to happen. You know, I'm kind of thinking of, you know, a, a modern day version of that would be, you know, when you go on Facebook and you're like, oh, I haven't seen this person since high school. I remember them and all of this. And I wonder why we didn't don't talk to each other anymore. I mean, you see what they post and you're like, oh, okay. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I, I like that I've never thought about it this way, but the, you know, maybe Kurt is trying to ease off um, being, you know, BFFs with her. It, it, I can see that, you know, last, the previous year in season one, they were, they did everything together and they probably always hung out with each other um, and did a lot of things with each other. But now that, you know, the, Kurt has found somebody that he can talk to a little bit better, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, okay, I kind of starting to understand, you know, where your place is in my life and I, I, I don't necessarily want to hang out with you 24-7 like we used to kind of thing. Yeah. And that's always a hard thing. Yeah. I mean, there are all the vacations for the show to, like, ease off on Mercedes, which mm-hmm. is really sad. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wonder just how much of that was starting to just back away from the Mercedes character. I mean, they would come back to her, but then they, they would drop her sometimes. And, you know, and, and, you know, I can't wait to come back and listen to the episode about, you know, when they started getting Mercedes and Sam together. Cause mm-hmm. I would love to kind of talk about that and how, how maybe the show pushed that together. Uh, but then, you know, and I'm looking at your write-up and talking about, you know, how how he talks about Blaine, even though they're mm-hmm. just friends. Mm-hmm. But he certainly doesn't talk like that about him. Um, right. And I think, I don't know, I mean, trying to read Kirk's mind, it could be that, you know, his heart's saying yes, but his brain is saying stay safe, protect yourself. 
it's still dangerous to be gay in this in the school. And, you know, it's one thing to be gay in the school. It's another thing to be gay and have a boyfriend or have a romantic interest. Mm. So. Well, no, and one thing I always, like, because I do these meta things, and but it's just my perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to have these conversations because then you get other people's perspectives. And I, I don't necessarily think mine is always right or, you know, you can say I'm wrong. That's not even a problem. I mean, not that you were, but just in general, like, it's kind of cool to say, oh, wait a minute, like, looking at it from this other angle, I mean, it, it's really kind of interesting that we all see the show in a different way, and to actually have these conversations with it, it's been really pretty awesome, mm-hmm. so. Oh. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of sad. Um, I hate to say that, how do I put this? Because I don't want to downput the Mercedes Kurt friendship because I do think it is a really good friendship. But I, I want to say it's almost a little bit shallower than some of his other friendships, mm-hmm. and and that works for them, um, and it does later on. And, but I, I don't think that they connect on a lot of the bigger things. And I know we had the conversation in Grilled Cheeses that, mm-hmm. like for example, the religion is a big thing. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and like it's a huge thing in her life. It's, I mean. It comes up again, like, when she she decides that she doesn't want to have sex, and that's a um, huge, like, a big storyline that she had. And it's based on her, her faith and her religion, and it's something that he can't really understand as mm-hmm. much, and she can't really understand, and, like, if she's having inner dialogues where she's mm-hmm. just hearing gay, 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 diddy, gay, 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 did gay, 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 it's showing that they have differences. And... Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to um, uh, talk about, even, and I didn't realize this until I just read my notes again, um, the, the, I just want to give her credit, too, for how graceful she is with doing it. I think she does get it, um, and she's very resigned and, and a little upset, but she does get it. And, and the fact that she she is, I think, one of the more mature characters in some respects. Um, oh, yeah, and yeah. Backs mm-hmm. off. Oh, absolutely. She says, "Okay, I get it. I we're gonna we're gonna go down these different paths." Mm-hmm. So, but uh, and you know, and also, wait. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, and and later on, I mean, we start to see them drift, but you kind of it's it's an ebb and flow because you know, at, at one point you, you mentioned that they were kind of pushing towards more of a Hummelberry friendship. But then you have these moments like when they have the sleepover and silly love songs and right. it's, it's Mercedes and Rachel and Kurt together. And then later on when they triet, I guess, I don't know what triple, I know what a duet is and what's a quartet. What's the one in between? Trio? Trio. Okay. <laughs> it should be a triet. I'm just saying. Triet. I like that one. So <laughs> um, when they do that on Defying Gravity. So you have like the three pieces kind of. Um, even in the Spanish teacher when they're doing sleepovers and talking about boys. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't think they're, you know, a lot of, I've, I've read a lot of commentary about how their friendship is like done after this. And I don't really see yeah, that. It's just awesome. changed. Yeah. There's just a, a lot of change. And then there are a lot of moments that are just Rachel and Mercedes. 
Mm-hmm. So, yep. So, Versa, so Versa did and, all three. And Mercedes and Santana grows more so in um, season three with the um, the troubled home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I mean, the fact of the matter is, it's like not all friendships are going to be like evenly sliced up like a perfect little pie. Yeah. It's not and going to happen. Friendships ebb and flow. Yeah. All right. And I want to give a shout out to um, the season five episode, um, the two parter, the new directions when they come back to the tater tot stuff. <laughs> it's like, I still don't think those are real food. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I think that is kind of it's kind of interesting to, to see them in the future. And I think that's kind of how their friendship is. And they're both very comfortable in the friendship yeah. at that all the way in the future, and, and I kind of love that. It's just, so. just a shame that you realize that they only had like two duets in the entire series. I know. That is really kind of a shame. I, yeah, I remember when I was doing something for the, the blog, and I, I was trying to figure out Kurt and Mercedes duets, and I was a little shocked. Wait a minute, there's only two? What? What? Yeah. How many duets are there between Mercedes and Artie, for God's sakes? Come on. <laughs> well, they had the soul down, so, like... They did. And then we get the end of the scene, which is Krofsky coming back, and, and this is the... The big one. Well, he, um, I think before that we talk about how what Kurt is how Kurt mentions Blaine. Oh sure, sorry, go ahead. Like he he says, I'm not breaking it off with Blaine. I really like oh, him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and too like um when he's talking of um to Mercedes about how she's replacing him as a like as a boyfriend. Like he he talks about how um she needs to find love because, like, he doesn't say, because I found love, but it's kind of, like, implied in how he phrases it. And yep. That goes along with the, the earlier comment of my budding friendship. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, he's, yeah, we're only friends. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Kind of, like, he doesn't see that it's more. And blame is blame. but I mean to the outside world like they're going on dates so they're they're, they have a budding friendship and Mm. yeah (laughs) it's it's really interesting and and he becomes aware of it more quickly obviously by like Christmas episode and then and Blaine doesn't realize it for another (laughs) You know, and that brings Long me to an, Oh, no, it's okay. Brings me to an interesting point I just thought of, and just that, you know, he he's being a little bit honest with her, and when he says, "I'm not bringing it off with Blaine," where Kurt really re- recognizes that this is somebody very special to him, mm-hmm. and we all know Kurt can get very protective of the things that he he deems very special to him. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. to the point where I mean, he can be self-sacrificing in, in ways. You know when he's like when he threw the note for his dad, right? Or when he throws the the um, slushy in his face. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, um. So yeah, and then then we get into the Karofsky mm-hmm. yeah. back and the the death threat. Yeah. yeah. So this is just like the the whole menacing, and this is when we this will carry us on into you know the other. Um, episodes for when he's just, you know, I can't, I just can't even function because he's just Mm -hmm. always there. Well, and I I mean, I can't imagine, like, 
you know, if Kurt had actually said something, um, the fact that he is, you know, he's been bullied by Krofsky so much that he does actually believe that if Kurt, if he says something, Krofsky is going to come after him mm-hmm. and do something that he, you know, he can stand up to it for himself, but I, I don't know if he feels like he is could take him on, take Krofsky on. Yeah. He also has that very strong moral code of, about not, not outing people. Mm-hmm. And and he holds that he's not going to tell anybody because he like he wouldn't do that because um, of where he was like he he kind of um, in in the first season had tr- such like difficulty coming to terms with it in himself <clears throat> and and then like coming out mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. family and with his friends so. Um, so he's kind of stuck in that, yeah, where by his moral compass and by, like, the fear of retribution. Mm-hmm. I also think this is, um, I mean, he told Blaine about the kiss, but I'm guessing he doesn't even tell Blaine about this. I'm guessing that, like, this is the death threat stuff. I mean, it does come out in FERT, but yeah. it's one of those things that he's trying to handle by himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't think yeah, it's like I, yeah I, I really do wish if, if I knew if he had talked to Blaine about the escalation of what was happening and I, with Kurt I appreciate I wonder, his moral code and I, I just I have to finish this point I appreciate yeah. that moral code of of not believing in outing and there is somewhat of a philosophy that. You know, nobody deserves to be outed unless what they are doing is actively hurting you or the community. So, like, if you're in a Republican that's doing anti-LGBT legislation and it turns out you're in a closet, no, maybe you deserve to be outed. But then you have, uh-huh. but to me, what Karofsky did was an assault. Mm-hmm. And it's a sexual assault. Yeah, and, and, and basically and put his lips on Kurt without his permission. I think that is an exception to that rule. Yeah, I think yeah. as, a, as a matter of safety and security, I think Kurt, I think Kurt would have been allowed to out Karofsky in that circumstance. And I don't, and I really don't know if there's anybody that could truly argue no, that was there's never a circumstance. Right. Going to the the point about like whether he talked to Blaine about the escalation, I I too I I wonder like whether he did, whether he, because I I can see him not not telling Blaine and like keeping it to himself, out of like like when he did tell Blaine and Blaine went with him to um, the school to confront him, mm-hmm. he was shoved up against the like yeah. It was a violent confrontation. Like, so, um, so when he went up to him, it was, he was shaken. It wasn't until after he walked away that he just tried to kind of like blow it off with like a smartest comment, but like, yeah, I, yeah, I also think that, and this is just my headcanon, so totally disagree with me. Yeah, I think (laughs) that um, if Blaine had known 
just uh, thinking about sexy and how, like, uh, when he learns that Kurt doesn't have much sex education, he goes straight to, to Bert about it. And I, I just get the impression that had Blaine known, um, he, he would have gone to somebody right away. That just, you know, yeah. let me talk, let's talk to your dad, let's talk to an authority, mm-hmm. let's get you out of here, let's do something about it. Like, yeah. like yeah. that's in his characterization that he, like, he's, He's the hero, you know. He's the like. Let's let's start a, you know. Let's sit around and talk about our core wounds and and like, yeah. dress up in in um, superhero costumes and like save the world kind of thing. Right. Right. And, and in contrast, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, you know, it's, it's also you know, keep in mind though, he could have said that, and Kurt could have been like, no, please, please, let me handle this, and and mm-hmm. I could see Blaine backing off. Yeah. But, you know, you look at how happy Kurt is with Blaine in this episode. And, you know, Blaine's his happy place. So I could yeah. see him not telling Blaine because Blaine's his happy place. And this is right. where he's yeah. able to be himself. And he doesn't have to worry about Glee Club. And he doesn't have to worry about Karofsky. And so right. it's like, why would I bring all this Karofsky crap into my happy bubble with Blaine? Right. Uh, yeah, and I said, fanfic writers, if you're listening, consider <laughs> that a prompt. Did they talk about it? Yeah. I think also it, it's true to Kurt's character to try and handle things on his own. I think he has a history of, of a default setting of, I can do this by myself. I don't need other people's help. Yeah. So I, I get pushed around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he he's been very independent. Like, that's. He kind of was independent after his mom died. I mean, it's it's fandom, like, um, headcanon, but it's also very apparent in um, the first season that he's alone in the basement a lot and, like, is independent, and he cooks, like, the meals for, for Bert. So, like, mm-hmm. he's used to doing things on his own and being on his own and getting through like soldiering through things on his own yeah. and and so going to somebody for help is not something that that Kurt does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come to him naturally. It's, it's I'm not his, his default. Looking forward to even Bash, which is years later, he still decides to take on those guys by himself without calling anybody mm-hmm. first. Yeah, that's so stupid. <laughs> no. And Bert tells him so. But. Yeah. Yeah. But, All right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um. And there's really not the only other thing I wanted to mention because there's the ending where Will comes back and they have this whole slew of um, Yay, interviews about um why you know like Brittany <laughs> says that she she was taught the second half of the alphabet and you know Finn and Rachel have something nice to say and I want to point out that Kurt has nothing nice to say. <laughs> no, nope, not really. No, not really. No. <laughs> um. So. And then, yeah, there's the umbrella. Um, the singing in the rain. It, it's an mm-hmm. awesome, awesome, it looks awesome, but, like, yes. I've heard so many behind the scenes that, like, they all hated it. It cost so much money. It, like, it was miserable to shoot because they were, like, in up to their ankles in water. And, mm-hmm. like, they were they were getting sick from the, the water, like, being cold. waterlogged. They were getting yeah. cold, like. It was, it was not fun at all. I think he may have gotten injured. On, this may have been another one of those, those 
scenes where Chris got injured. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. That, part, that guy, he got injured a lot in some of these choreographies. Especially in the early seasons. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think it was just trying to learn how to dance. I will say, though, that before this scene, you have Holly as um, – and, and we see this later on. It's like when <laughs> Holly, you know, plays other um, historical figures. Hmm. Mary you know, damn well, if they had done a Hamilton episode, Holly would have been... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would have been... She would have been good for that. Yeah. yeah. She probably is like... I would love to say she's done Skylar Sisters, but she probably would have dressed up in a purple suit and sang that I miss. There's an <laughs> interesting thing we could do that, you know, like, in, I would wait, like, five years to do it, but what in the last five years would Glee have done, you know? Because, you know, Hamilton's definitely one of them. There's that Shut Up and Dance song that I'm sure would have been on the show. It wouldn't have done Can't Stop the Feeling because, again, Timberlake never let Glee do his song. I, I, don't, know any, I don't, don't know any pop songs anymore. I know. <laughs> that was the way I learned pop songs. I don't listen to the radio or anything, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, don't ask me because I ha- ever since I got SiriusXM, all I listened to is Deep House, the first wave, like 80s alternative, and then the 90s channel. Yeah, I listened to and the new Broadway wave channel. music. Um, like, I got into Roxy Music because of Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that new wave music. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm even worse. I just listen to a lot of film scores, so really, <laughs> not the person to ask. <laughs> so. All right. Well, anything else? Anything else on any of the other part of the, the episodes that you guys wanted to talk about? Or uh, oh, um, well, I mean, it's just you know, it's just a scene, and you can't really say anything specifically about it. But the whole the other singing in the rain number, make them laugh. Oh yeah, really nice. how could we not mention that? Like that was really good. Matt Morrison and Harry Shum Jr. Like I did didn't even think of them as the characters in that because I enjoyed it so much because they, they are fabulous dancers and fabulous Broadway performers. They are. I've always said that, um, you know, I give, I think it's a little bit sad thing that Matt Morrison has this huge Broadway background and they didn't use it very often. And, yeah. Um, nice when they, yeah. they did get to use it. Yeah, they did. They really exactly. did a good job. And make yeah. it last, they, um, and then the, um, the black and white one um, he did with something Jason. holiday or not Holly Holiday, but you know it's like um, Royal Wedding. That's what it was from his Fred Astaire movie called Royal Wedding. Yeah, that he did. They were on the ceiling. They were in one of those spinning boxes. Yeah, if you've ever seen behind the scenes, they did that. It is absolutely amazing what they do. So yeah. It's amazing. Um, it's amazing that Jama and Matt didn't break their necks doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I I know like I we crap on Will a lot, but I do like to give Matt Morrison some credit. Yeah, yeah. He does that really bad. And I love I love watching Harry Shum Jr. dance. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the things I I wish like in the wedding they got like two seconds of of um, Mike and Brittany dancing. But and and then like one second with Mike and Matt in the last scene in um, the last episode. But oh. I wish season six didn't have Mike dancing, and it was so sad. I know Shadow Hunters writers figure out a way to get Magnus to dance. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird seeing Mike not in as a dancer. Um, yeah. yeah see, it's, it's weird seeing everybody as something that they're not, you know? It's, it's weird seeing Rachel as a psychopathic killer and oh, playing awesome. as an East German awesome. transgender rock star. Oh, uh, I love my cats. They're, they're really hitting it off. Like they're they're really like taking off in their careers. I love it so much. Yeah. Or seemingly happy. I mean, has, has Naya been doing anything? Because she seems really. Yeah, she's been a very happy mom. She's a mom. And, oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> I know, but I think she's that. been focusing on mom. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I think I think her her husband's actually been doing more. It's like they're. There's that new show. It's about. It's supposed to be like the first female major league baseball pitcher, and Naya's husband actually plays the pitcher she replaces. So of course he's like a total dick. Um, but that's supposed to be coming up this fall. And I, is she was she nominated or, or something for like her guest role in Devious Maids? Uh, she's on the uh, initial ballot. Okay. Which is kind of a catch-all of everything. I mean, okay. there were so many, like, one-off guest star shots. I was surprised they didn't nominate Darren for his one-off for American Horror Story because they put everything else in there. Oh, yeah. Man. So. But what, um, I'm going to wrap up the podcast part of it before we go way off. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for doing this one. And it was really, it's a really funny episode. I think sometimes it's a little underrated. It's yeah. um, got a lot and a lot of good stuff in it. It so. felt like a filler episode, right? like at the time and, and stuff. Um, but it, it was a good episode, and it was it was fun to rewatch for a lot of different little reasons. Yeah. So yeah, and there gay, we go. Gay, 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 My brother will be there at the waves upon the tropical Abilities, let you outcast Bolito Seas. Rejoice and love yourself today, cause baby, you were born this no. way. So raise your glass if you are wrong in all the right ways. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arrive. Best to be the end of everything. Someone only go somewhere only.